get into this. I have two books to give away. Uh, first is The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, Bonhoeffer was a, a pastor in Germany during World War II and one of the few that said Hitler no. Um, and so just based on what we're getting into in the text today and next week, uh, there is a cost to following Jesus, and, and Bonhoeffer puts that out there, so that's for anyone who will read it. Uh, and then the second one is The Insanity of God, uh, basically, right? <laughs> uh, basic, uh, uh, high school kid in Kentucky, you know, as normal as normal can be, ended up in all over the world in the hardest and darkest places, um, serving God and making disciples, and this is just kind of the story of that. So if your faith is kind of like, you know, in, in the toilet at the moment, and you need a, a jump start, I would read this, just a chapter at a time, and your heart will will come uh, alive. So that's for anyone who wants it. Uh, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers. And that's where we stopped last week. And just quickly... My Perry people. Hi. Someone got up and walked out around out of their wheelchair this weekend or this week. Yeah. And more to come. More to come. Praise God. You guys should ask her about it after today. Next verse, you receive without paying, give without pay. So he's sending them out. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or, or two tunics or sandals for uh, or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find one who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter a house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come on it. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you, or listen to your words. Shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or that town. For truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than it was for that town. This is God's word. So just to catch us up quickly, there's a plentiful harvest out there that requires prayer. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into the harvest. They allegedly pray that because then Jesus calls Twelve Jewish guys to himself to go into that harvest to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And they're to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the day of the Lord is at hand. And they're to substantiate those claims about this coming kingdom by cleansing lepers, healing the sick, raising the dead, and rescuing demon-oppressed people. And that's as far as we got last week. Now he continues in that instruction with a reminder that is helpful for all disciples of Jesus, even in the present day, as you go into the harvest, remember, you receive without paying. So give without pay. Okay? This is just basic gift. A basic message of grace. Nobody cranked God's arm to force him to create the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Okay? There's no outside force acting on God to make all things. No one threatened God to make him make promises to save the world after Adam and Eve wrecked it. No one paid God serious amounts of cash to send his son as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, There's no outside force moving on God making him do, do these things. No, the whole thing okay, from start to finish is, is gift. 
It's grace. It, it comes from another. And as Israelites that Jesus is speaking this to, they're, they're well aware, okay? The idea of grace is not new to these guys. It's not new to the, to the New Testament. They're not like, what are you talking about? Grace, okay? They know that God, in his grace, handpicked them to be a light to the nations. Genesis 12 is, is, is grace. They know it's pure gift that God made covenants to their forefathers. And though Romans 9 hasn't been written yet, they know that they are the Israelites, that to them... Belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs. And from them, by physical descent, came the Messiah, who is God over all. Praise be forever. Amen. They know that. They didn't earn any of this or their role. God gave it to them. They've received all of this freely. And now Jesus reminds them to give that away freely. You receive this without payment. Now give it away without payment. And I think Jesus is reminding them and pointing them to this picture of the age to come that Isaiah gives in Isaiah 55. So the context of Isaiah 55 is the restoration of Israel after they've been scattered, the glorification of Zion after it's been decimated, right? the gospel, the renewal of all things, and all the other nations, Isaiah 55, coming to be blessed by the Messiah in Jerusalem. And so Isaiah prophesies, verse 1, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. You know what I mean? We're going to go up there without money and eat. Hallelujah. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So this is the the, the daytime that history will enter when the Messiah comes. So live like it's in the daytime now, right? Does that make sense? This is the age to come. This is what it looks like. People coming with no money, coming by, giving it away freely. So now in this age, before the daytime, you disciples, you receive without pay. Now give freely as a picture pointing to that day. So it's a really simple application. Freely you've received, freely give. And and fill in the blank. Obviously, we want to start with the gospel. Freely receive that. Freely give that away. But also your stuff. Especially your shoes. Okay. (laughs) So next, next, right, basic there. Next, Jesus gives some puzzling instructions um, for us. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey. (laughs) Or tunics or sandals for, or staff for the, sorry, Hembrees, Pharaohs. I just had in my head the first time we went to Destin and I went with the Pharaohs and they packed like we were going to be gone for six months, you know, <laughs> so many suits. You've gotten better. Yeah, really. Sorry, I was just, I was carrying multiple suitcases up the stairs and they wore two things in them. Anyway. <laughs> Don't bring stuff, okay? For the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find one who's worthy in it and stay there until you depart. So just a few uh, general thoughts here. First, I think Jesus is sending these men out like the the, the men of Israel of, of old. So first Kings, where does Elijah sleep? In a cave, right? And birds come and feed him like, like Snow White. <laughs> You've read that story a million times. Think about it. Birds are coming and bringing him 
him food. Um, Elisha in Second Kings, uh, he refuses gifts from from Naaman in in a weird um, story. And and the, the context of First and Second Kings is Israel's in a time of crisis, and so obtaining lots of possessions doesn't make sense, right? Like like if you you know watched on news, like people in Ukraine aren't like collecting model cars right now. It's a time of crisis. They're, they're, they're fighting a war. They're out um, on, on a mission. So it would be weird to collect model trains while Jezebel's trying to cut your head off. right? You, you travel light. You pack light. And so this is just the pattern, I think, of the prophets, what Jesus is doing and sending them out without stuff. Okay, without these things, because the pattern of the prophets is prophets are sent and then prophets are killed. Okay, uh, in, in the Tanakh, that's always how it happens. Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, like this, Jeremiah, this is what happens. Or they throw him in a pit, right? Th- this is what goes on, but it happens to these men um, too. So Matthew 21, the parable of the vineyard, the son is sent, and then what happens? Son is killed. Matthew 22, the parable of the wedding banquet, the servants are sent, and then what happens to the servants? Killed. You see a pattern. Matthew 23. Woes to the Pharisees. Prophets are sent. Prophets are like, woe to you. I send prophets to you and you kill them all. So I think that Jesus is sending them out in this way in the same pattern. Okay, Just like the prophets of Israel of old went out into the world with nothing and were killed. So I'm sending you guys out. And he's going to say this later in 10. A sheep among among wolves, okay, out into the harvest. Second thing, I think, regarding these instructions, Jesus is just making it clear on the front end, which I appreciate. The mission is going to be difficult, and there will be suffering involved. And again, the further we get into chapter 10, he's just going to explicitly say this. Yeah, your family will hate you. Brother will rise against brother and and the whole bit. And third, um, think about how much these instructions are just putting on the disciples you have to trust the Lord as you go. You can't trust in the strength of man or your wits or your smarts or your resources. You have to trust the Lord. So Jesus says, okay, here's the instructions. Right? You need to go on this journey. And the disciples say, great, so let me swing by the ATM real quick. As, as we would. And Jesus says, actually, no money. Okay. okay, Jesus, that's weird. But let me pack a bag. And Jesus says, ah, no bags either. You know, okay, that's also weird, but you're a weird guy, right? You walk on water and talk to demons and all of this stuff. Well, at least let me call ahead and book a hotel. And Jesus is actually, no, none of those, none of those things. And again, I was working on this this week and I'm thinking Sierra would not handle this well. Okay, we're, we're, Lord willing, we're going out of town in October and Sierra already knows where we're eating. Like Monday here, Tuesday here, Wednesday here. I'm going to wear this Monday. I'm going to wear this Tuesday. I'm going to wear this Wednesday. And if Jesus said this to her, no bag, no money, no copper, don't book a hotel. Like it would not be, you know what I mean? Jesus, what he's doing here. And I'm sorry, I appreciate planning. I love planning. I'm all for it. I'm saying Jesus is giving instructions here saying you're just going to have to trust me. Every step of the way. All right. Like this is this is the the sending next verse nine. Acquire no gold or silver, no bag for your journey, no tunics or staff. Why? Why does he tell them this? Why? Because the laborer deserves his food. 
So don't bring money. Those that you minister to are going to take care of you. The laborer deserves the food. All right. And th- this makes sense. Paul picks this up, quotes it for uh, Timothy five. Uh, the elders who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out grain. And then he quotes Jesus. Quoting the Moses, the worker is worthy of his wages. So this this just seems to be the normal pattern, okay? The worker deserves his wages. However, there are periods, there are um, times and, and circumstances where, like Elisha in Second Kings, where ministers should not accept uh, uh, money for those they minister to, but they should work on the side, okay? So I'm not going to read the Second Kings story. It's really weird. Elisha performs a miracle, and they want to pay him, and he's like... No, because then I'll feel indebted. You need to be indebted to the God of Israel and and whatever. Um, So sometimes they should work on the side so they can obey verse 10 and give without pay and not put an obstacle to the gospel in front of people. Okay, so like 1 Corinthians, um, Paul is totally justified. Uh, to to take money from the church that he's serving. He calls it, this is my rightful claim. Okay, it is my right as as a teacher, an apostle to take money from you guys. But because in first Corinthians, that would cause issues in the church and um, it, or it would put people in a position where they think they can buy um, Paul off. Like, hey, I pay the bills here. You're going to preach what I want you to preach kind of deal. In that context, Paul says, well, I'm going to make tents because you don't own me. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it's it's. It's circumstantial. The point is this. Jesus is sending them out into the field as laborers, as workmen, and as Lord of the harvest. He's going to make sure they're fed. Okay? Just like, I assume, Joe, you pay your hired hands. Masuda, Kent, they get, you cook for hired hands, right? You make sure they're fed. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that's what's going on here. So they're going to be fed, right? You don't need to bring money because I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be fed in this way. Also, they're going to be housed. Verse 11, whenever you enter that town or village, find a house that's worthy. Stay there till you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. Hello. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Okay? So go to – so just uh, before I read this, uh, we, we support a missionary named Sean Steckbeck in Israel, and they do this. Like in Luke 10, it's a little more clear. They go to a village. Uh, either in Israel or they, you know, they go other places, and they knock on a door and look for a place to stay. And if they stay there, they share the gospel with them, and then they base out of the house. Like, they do this literally, and I think it's amazing, and also I think it's hilarious. Okay, um, So you, you show up, you say, peace, we, we've come here to tell you that the Messiah, the one that we've been hoping for, right? Because they're going to, to Israel, they know about the Messiah. We've come here to tell you that, that he's here. We, we just saw him, okay? And he sent us in his name to tell you about the kingdom of God. Can we stay with you for a while while we labor in this area? And this happens, uh, they do this, right? This happens in, in Acts um, to a Gentile. Lydia hears the gospel and she says, well, if you judge me faithful, then, then stay at my house. Lydia was apparently very rich, so it was probably a nice stay, you know. Um, and if they receive you, let your blessing come on that house Again, after the pattern in, in, in the Tanakh. So Joseph goes to Potiphar's house, and initially it's good. It, it doesn't work out. You know the story. Um, but initially it's good. His being at the house meant the whole house was blessed by Joseph's um, presence. Genesis 39. Uh, from that time, Potiphar made him overseer in his house, 
and over all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So Joseph shows up at your house, right? a, a servant of God, and the whole house is blessed. Um, First Kings, there, there's a widow who houses Elijah and, and bakes him some bread with the last of her oil. And she's blessed for that. It, it, it works out. So if these figures from, from the Tanakh, from the Old Testament, are blessed by, by God's messengers, like how much more, like the disciples, the apostles of the incarnate God, how much more are those houses going to um, be blessed? So just an easy application here. It is a very good thing, too, when the Lord's servants show up, let them stay at your house, okay? Um, my parents could tell awesome stories of just all kinds of random people that came through Tonkawa um, in the name of the Lord and stayed at their house. And some of them were incredibly weird. You know, I'm, I'm a kid like, this is a weird person in my room right now. Um, but we were, we were always blessed by, by people coming into our house. And, and, and it, I mean, literally, we got lots of hilarious stories to tell. One guy got hit by a moose on his way to Canada and stayed at our house and prophesied to people. It was just, anyway, this comes up again in chapter 10, so we'll deal with it there. Point of the story is, uh, if I show up, give me a place to stay, okay? All right. Like if my pipes freeze or something. All right. So, main point. Go find a house. See if they will receive the message that that the anointed son of Abraham and son of David has come. And if they will, then stay there. But if they won't receive your message, okay, that's a different story. You get to stay there, then, then blessing on their house, peace on their house, all this stuff. But if they won't receive you. Or if they won't receive your message, verse 14, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, what words? The Messiah is here and and his kingdom and his day, the day of the Lord, the kingdom of God. They're at hand. So repent, and believe the gospel. If anyone won't believe that and won't receive you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or that town. Surely I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town or that house. Okay, so, so you, you got to see this. In, in, in the Jewish mind, the day of the Lord, the kingdom of God, they're, they're synonymous. Okay, one initiates the other. So it's a great day and it's a terrible day because it's, okay, the same bit. Therefore, bearing witness to the kingdom of God is bearing witness to the day of judgment. Because it's... One inaugurates the other. It's the same thing. It's the pattern. John the Baptist, Matthew 3, Luke 3. He says, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we hear kingdom of heaven and we're like, that sounds great. That sounds fun. That sounds bright. That sounds awesome. That sounds like life. John the Baptist says that. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then what's he start ranting about? Gathering wheat into the barn and gathering chaff and casting it into the fire. So now this happy, positive message is like, oh, it's also terrible. It's also judgment. It's also terrifying and, and, and scary, okay? Like, the kingdom of God, day of the Lord, bam, same thing. So the disciples, the apostles are preaching the, the kingdom of God. Y- yes, amen, hallelujah, Maranatha, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more death, the dwelling place of God with man, hallelujah. The kingdom of God is at hand. But also when the disciples preach the kingdom of God, they're preaching the day of the Lord, the day of, of, of judgment. Same, 
Same bit. All the way through. So Jesus' point is this. If you don't receive my messengers, you don't receive my message, you don't receive me. Right? John the Baptist prepares the way for the Lord. The apostles go and prepare the way for the Lord. To reject them is to reject the one they send. Right? If we send ambassadors into a foreign country on behalf of the United States and they are killed... You know what I mean? Like it's the same same bit. And so he says, if Sodom received my messengers poorly, which if you've looked at this story, you know we, we read it pretty pretty recently. Maybe one of those messengers is God. I, you know, it's, it says angel of the Lord. It says messengers, and then sometimes it calls one of those guys the Lord. I don't know. If you received my messengers at Sodom poorly, and, and you guys know what happened. In, in that story, God sends messengers to the city. They're not received rightly. That The wickedness of that town is so great that they wanted to abuse and use these messengers for all kinds of wicked and vile things. Okay, It's a horrible story. Um, and because of their wickedness, uh, which reached its fullness, like God has levels for once stuff reaches its fullness, then he deals with it. Okay? It reached its fullness by their rejection of God's spokesman. Then they are destroyed totally. Okay? Genesis 19. Then out of the sky, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, burning sulfur from the Lord. So I would just press on you today. Ask the Lord to like burn this on your heart. That's not a metaphorical or allegorical sky. Okay? That's not a metaphorical or or allegorical or symbolic sulfur. The real God, Yahweh, opened up the real heavens above the earth and rained down real fire on those who rejected his messengers. Genesis 19 is not a parable or a story or an allegory. God opened up the heavens and rained down fire on those who rejected his messengers. All right. Verse 25. And he demolished these cities. The entire plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and whatever grew on the ground. So Sodom was not the capital D, day of the Lord. Sodom is a lowercase d, day of the Lord. A picture pointing to saying that one's real. And here's an example of it being real, right? If you guys were kids and your parents spanked you, they would spank you and say, that's not even the worst one. You know what I mean? It's not the real thing. It's just a picture. It's a snapshot of the great and terrible day to come when the Lord will cleanse the earth with fire. The real, really, not a metaphor, not an allegory, real fire. And if Sodom was that bad, okay, heavens open, fire coming on them. Jesus says those who reject his messengers, who will not receive them or listen to their words. Jesus says you will find something much worse. And I can't think of something much worse than the Lord opening the heavens and raining down sulfur on that town. So the apostles bring with them a, a glorious message, okay? The kingdom of God is at hand. Hallelujah, okay? Paul in, in, in uh, Romans 13, Romans 14 says that the, the day is nearer now than when you first believed. Like, hallelujah. You know what I mean? Like, we are closer today than we were yesterday to seeing Jesus, okay? On the earth, <laughs> And fixing all this mess. The kingdom of God's at hand. Hallelujah. But the apostles also bring with them a sobering message. The day of the Lord's at hand. 
that day is also nearer today than it was the day before. So just two questions to to close here. Okay. So two questions. First to to the un, unbeliever, to those presently not believing in Jesus. Not, not trusting him as the Messiah of, of Israel, as the Lord of, of all the earth, and rejecting his message with this warning of Sodom. Okay, it's, it's real. Will you now receive him? This is, I mean, the rejection of God's messengers is, is real, and it's terrifying, and, it, and it's, it's sobering. If that's how he treated Sodom. Will you reject his message? And, and I would Press on you and implore you that it's not God's heart for the day of the Lord or the day of judgment or the day of wrath to play out poorly for you, okay? I promise you, God is not seated at the height of the heavens going, oh, I cannot wait to do this to you. That's not what's going on. Ezekiel 18, Ezekiel 33, day of the Lord passages spoken to a rebellious and idolatrous Israel, Israel acting as Sodom, like he even calls them that in those passages. The Lord's heart for them comes through Ezekiel 33 11 he says as I live declares the Lord I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked I'm not he's like doing Sodom and the, the, the Sodom uh, uh, event was, was not happy in the heart of the Lord I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked would turn from his way and live turn back turn back from your evil ways why will you die O house of Israel and so I'm saying the same thing this morning. If you haven't tr- trusted in Jesus, you're not repenting of your sins, turning to him, walking the narrow path, following him by the power of the spirit and with the help of the church. Why will you die? Unbelieving Gentile, turn back, receive the Lord and his message and live forever. If you sat in worship services all of your life or today is your first time here, don't don't leave without putting your trust in in Jesus as Lord, in his cross for your sins. Okay? In his cross for your sins, in his death for your death, and in his resurrection as a down payment and a first fruits of your resurrection to come. If you're not believing that today, believe it. Okay? Repent of your sins, turn to him. And if you don't know how to do that, like what's that look like? How do I do? Talk to the person you're sitting with today. If they're a member of our church, they can tell you what it means to trust in Jesus. They can tell you what it means to repent of your sins. They can tell you what it means to follow Jesus. They can tell you what it means when you're trying to follow Jesus and you screw that up. How to start following him again. I mean, right? (laughs) CLC, we're very good at that. Okay? They can tell you that or you can talk to me or any of our elders. But it would just be the most foolish and, and, and... stupid thing for you to not trust in Jesus for eternal life. Okay? So that's on the table for you. Why will you die? No pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked might turn from his way and and live. And then last question to the believer as our, our music team comes up. Question to you guys, question for us is, will we proclaim these words? Will we freely give as we have, have freely received? You know what I mean? I can't count the number of people who have told me about Jesus over the course of my life. I, they just did it. They've just freely done it, okay? If you freely give, you've been freely given to you, will you freely receive? And, and also, I would say this, especially as we get into some more weird stuff in Matthew 10. Like, I don't think it's going to look like this for you guys. Okay? I, I don't think, he might... 
I don't think the Lord is going to send you out and tell you to not take money or clothes and stay at people's houses. I don't know that that's what our evangelism strategy looks like. Okay? If it does, more power to you. You can stay at my house. Um, but I, I just don't think that it's what it's going to look like. So either way, whether the Lord sends you out like he sends uh, these out in, in Matthew 10, either way, my, my question for us is will we tell people, okay, in your home, right? Start in your home. Instruct your children and instruct your, your spouse. Will you tell people at, at home, at the game, at, at work, as you live and, and move and have your being in, in Tonkawa? Will you tell them about the kingdom of God? And you have a great opportunity. As, as, you know, as long as, as war is, is happening, on, you know, and it's just blasts into our faces 24-7, you have the message of the kingdom of God so easy. Like it's 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 like a softball to you. Oh, that war's bad. You know, in the age to come, there's no more war. <laughs> it's horrible that God's image bearers are killing each other. You know that won't be that way forever. You know, I'm incredibly optimistic about the state of human beings. Actually, I think they're going to be raised from the dead and they're going to live forever in perfect peace and harmony and love with one another and love with God and the dwelling place of God is with man. There's no more crying, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, all that stuff. And they're like, wow, you're thinking a lot differently about what's going on than I am. Why do you think that? And then you boom, here you go. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay. (laughs) And he sent me out to bear witness to that fact that in the beginning, God created all things and man rebelled against God and God didn't wash his hands of humanity, but he started making promises to him and he made a promise to the servant. I'm going to crush your stinking head. And he made a promise to the woman. It's going to come through your line. He made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Moses. He made a promise to David. All these things are confirmed by God raising Jesus from the dead. So now we just bear witness to those things. So you want to talk more about this? Because I believe Ukraine, Russia, Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever. I don't think that lasts forever. I think the age to come lasts for endless ages and God dwells with men. And and there you go. Like even tragedy points to the age to come. And it acts as evangelism for you. You know. It's easier that way. It's harder to evangelize people for whom everything is going well for. That's why it's hard to reach people in Tonkawa. Because our lives are mostly okay. Okay? So that's, will you tell people about the kingdom of God and the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord where God banishes unrighteousness and wickedness from the earth. Okay? So I'm going to stand, let's pray. God, we ask you just for uh, two things today. First, we ask you, uh, God, to make the kingdom of God and the day of the Lord real to us. God, don't let them be stories to us. Don't let them be myths to us. Don't let them be ideas to us or, or something we have as a category for our lives just because we live in Tonkawa. Make them real. God, make the, make the age to come real to us. Uh, it's a real day, real earth with real body. You're actually going to do everything you said you would do. 
God, make the reality of the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, the day of wrath, that day real to us, where we will really give account, God, for our lives. Did we walk in repentance and humility and, and, and put all of our trust for righteousness and all of our trust for being justified and forgiven? Did we put all of that on the cross? Did we put all of that in Jesus' life and death and resurrection and ascension and hope in his soon return? God, make that day real. Make it real. Shake us awake to, to the reality that, that you have a day. Where you are exalted and, and man is brought low. Second thing, God, we ask you for the help of the Holy Spirit. So I pray for our members that we would be filled with the Spirit. God, to proclaim the good news in conversations. God, to proclaim the good news uh, on the internet or that we're given the Spirit, God, to proclaim and point people to the cross in light of the coming kingdom. We need help. We're not smart enough. We're not cool enough. We don't have enough money. Like, we, we only want the Spirit. We only need the Spirit's help. So come, God, I even ask as we sing and, and lift up our hearts and voices and hands and feet to you and in this time that, that the Spirit would breathe on us and, and, and move throughout the room, move throughout our, our, our people, God, uh, making us obedient, God, energizing us, encouraging us, exhorting us um, to go out. In the name of Jesus, everyone sing.